Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Do me a favor, subscribe to the John Con Report wherever you get your podcast. You're watching on YouTube, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. You can find us there as part of Empire Media. That's A-M-P-I-R-E. Always much appreciated when you tune in. Don't forget, you can read my work on ESPN.com. And also don't forget, I will have an, uh, a mini camp wrap up after each day of mini camp practice next week. That's Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. I'll have a, a, a mini camp update posted each night. So go, go look for that stuff and just kind of give you a feel for what's going on. And it's a mandatory mini camp. So we, we'll see. I'm, I'm anticipating that Chase Young and Montez sweat show up. There's been no indication that they're not. Anyway, because it's mandatory. So there you go. So fall, you know, stay tuned for that stuff. I also have a podcast out either late Sunday night, Monday morning, just kind of going over some of what I learned today from talking to a lot of the assistant coaches. We had a, a basically roundtable interviews with a bunch of them. Had some pretty cool nuggets, I think, from each one of those guys that I talked to that I want to share with you. But I'll talk about that for the next podcast. Today, I'm talking with the voice of the commanders, Bram Weinstein, and we get into all sorts of good stuff. Sam Howell, the quarterback competition, is there one, should there be? And some things that Ron Rivera said in his press conference on Wednesday that we kind of touch upon, talking a lot about a lot of stuff. What are some of the holes left to fix? The importance of certain spots, you know, or, or addressing certain spots still. Offensive line, where is it at? Linebacker, where is it at? All that good stuff. So here's my conversation with the voice of the commanders, Bram Weinstein. Did you know the largest ropes course in Zipline Park in the country is right here in the DMV? Located in the heart of Montgomery County, the Adventure Park at Sandy Spring combines climbing and ziplining to create an aerial obstacle course unlike any other. With challenges anywhere from 10 to 75 feet in the air, there is something for all skill levels. Looking for some family time or the perfect date night before football season starts? You can even climb and zipline under the stars. Would you rather keep your feet on the ground? Give axe throwing a try. With their projector systems, you can throw at traditional targets, play tic-tac-toe, connect four, or even hunt zombies. Listeners of this show can get $5 off any ticket by entering the code KIME23DC at checkout. That's KIME, K-E-I-M, 23DC. So there you have it, folks. Climbing, ziplining, axes, food, and bonfires right in your backyard. The weather is warming up, so it's the perfect time to head outside and join the adventure at www.theadventurepark.com. That's www.theadventurepark.com and enter promo code KIME23DC. Graham, after being out at two OTA practices and talking to people, I think there's only one question left regarding Sam Howell. Who presents him with the gold jacket? <laughs> it's so, I don't know. It, I think it, part of me feels like I'm be, becoming like grumpy old man here. Like everybody's just like these definitive statements about people who have played one game and you saw practice twice in May, you know, just leaves me a little like, can we just let this play out a little bit? And, um, 
you know, and not make such grandiose pronouncements, but I guess we're in a world where you're supposed to. And right. so I, I, you and I, I think are come, are kind of cut from the same cloth. I, I have not seen anywhere close to enough to make any renderings of anything yet. Honestly, no. I like his progress. I, I like his, I like his progress and you go from there and see where it goes from here. Yeah. And I do. I do think he can be good. I do like his, I, like I said, I like the progress he's made. I like the footwork. I like, some of the throws he's made. And I also see like, okay, you got to learn here and it's okay. That's what he should be. If, you know, you're not a finished product after one start. And then even after a good off season. So, but I know that you, you and I had talked at the practice field um, on what's today, Thursday on Wednesday about Ron Rivera's comment about when somebody had asked him, when will you know that how the guy basically said in training, what, you know, you seem to be very pleased by that comment. I was because I felt like the messaging had changed over the last month. And I don't know whether that was purposeful or not. And just, you know, kind of seeing how Ron Rivera, you know, runs the operation and messages things. Um, when things come out of the park, they are they are thought through and they're definitive. And the way that like it was just kind of being portrayed was that, well, you know, he's the number one starter, right? You know, and well, I thought he was in a competition. And then when they signed Jacoby Brissett, I'm like, I think they're in a bigger competition than they would have been now that Taylor Heineke is not here. And I just kind of come from a place where I'd like to see him earn it. And at this point, like, I think he will. <laughs> but that's at this point. I just don't think, I don't understand how anyone's come to the conclusion that he's definitively the starter other than um, take out the context of this is a year where if you're Ron Rivera and you're thinking through, you know, how do I maintain my job with new owners? Like how you put your eggs in the Brissette basket over how I don't know, but like take that context out of it for a minute and go, can we have a real competition here? Because I think this warrants it. I'd like to see what happens. And um, at this point, if you've just watched, like I have just two practices it is clear who's getting the opportunities now. That doesn't mean that it's not going to change come July and August. And I really do hope that Rivera meant that because I think he will earn it given the opportunity to do it, but I want to see him given the opportunity to earn it first before we just hand anything over. That's just my own personal opinion about it. And I would say this is an easy question, but why is that important to me that he has to earn it? He's a fifth round pick who's played one game. Um, you know, like I thought he played pretty well in that one game. In like like you, I I think that there's progression here. I I noticed thanks to you really like the footwork is different with him. Um, I you know in the two short practices I've seen, it appears as if that his decision making again no pads you know no hitting all that stuff seems to be a touch quicker than what Brissett's is at this juncture. So I like that, you know, like he's, he's making more definitive decisions pretty quickly. And there are these moments with him where there's some accuracy that we haven't seen here probably right. since Kirk cousins. Right. Um, and I think that that really stands out. Like, yeah. like it, it stood out in the Dallas game. It really stood out like there where all of a sudden you're hitting people in stride. We haven't seen that in a few years from anybody who's played at the position Not consistently. Yeah, no, he had a throw yesterday that was ridiculous. And I think I like blurted out. I'm like, please do that in the game. Oh, yeah. Like, it was, was this yeah. it was this pass down the seam that was literally over the fingertips of a player that caught. I can't even remember who it was down the center of the field completely in stride. And again, this is like seven on seven, you know, no hitting all that stuff. 
But like these were these moments where I went, okay, like there's something here and I get, you know, why they're buying into him and I get why his draft grades before his last season at North Carolina were where they were. Like you can, you can see all that stuff that said, like, again, he's inexperienced. Um, It's not like he came in here as, you know, a top five pick where you have to just throw him out there and see how it goes. And I think it'd be good for him. And I, I also feel like this is a competitive guy. Go look at his background. Like, he broke records as a freshman at yeah. North Carolina, like broke conference records, broke school records. He's not scared of competition. No. So let him compete. I actually think it'll help him. Like I would yeah. prefer that he like, it's obvious in the locker room and it's obvious to us and it's obvious to everybody. He won the job. So let him win it first. And that's why I think it's important to me. Well, and I also, I do think that just having Jacoby Bissett here does force him to win the job. I don't think he's going to go in there with some sort of like, oh, I already, I already have it. Because I think you know with Brissett there that if you don't show it, they will turn to him. And so I think that's a good thing for him. And you're right. Like he's been a guy who has been very competitive. And I think even like through the recruiting process, like there were some ups and downs for him that said, like, I'm going to show these guys this. And so I think he's got that sort of mentality. He's, yeah. he's a lot, he's kind of quiet about it. You know, but that's okay. So I, I, I agree. What are some of the things that, that you have, you know, you talked about some of that. Are there some other things that have kind of jumped out to you when watching them, even just in two practices? And, and again, um, I always say like it's, as, as players will consider it the underwear Olympics. So we get all that. Yeah. All we have to measure it by now. And I know right. sometimes people don't like when we say that, but it's just, it's true. So you, you don't, you want to just, it's measuring progress where they're at right now. Yeah, I mean, like, and this time of year, like, you got to keep this stuff in mind, too. Like, McLaurin wasn't going full bore yesterday. Neither was John Dotson. Like, they didn't, and I don't expect them to. Like, they're, you know, I'm not saying they're going through the motions, but they weren't going at the speed they normally go to. Curtis Samuel was. Like, it was actually, yeah. it was unusual. You see some people kind of going at the full speed and others that won't. And I attribute that to, like, he's in a contract year. You know, like, yeah. like, you, like, these things, like, kind of prop up and they, they come up. And, but with him... Like there are moments where the, I think it's just, it really, that it, it almost like last year with, with Wentz, what stood out was um, we hadn't seen somebody with the arm strength like that in a while. So all of a sudden it stood out to everybody and you, and you kind of see that and you don't want to be fooled by it, that it, things are going to change. And in the case of Hal, it's the accuracy that right. I really like, and it's not perfect, obviously, but like, that's the part of this. And, you know, what I do hope is that, you know, that and this is my biggest concern about all of it is that this is someone who is going to need some patience and we're not in a year of patience. So I really do hope that the like the the ground around him is going to be steady enough and solid enough to allow him, you know, a week or two that may not go all that well. Um, because I do see some of the promise that is there, but he's going to need to be afforded the opportunity to make some mistakes. And, you know, again, this is, I hate making any judgments, but you're asking what I saw. Okay. Like down the field, his decision-making arm strength, accuracy. I love it. I like every single bit about it, but all the stuff underneath that I think is going to be the core of the B enemy offense, at least the hints of what I've seen so far, a lot of people getting a lot of hands on balls. Yeah, yeah. So like, I do think that there's going to be, and that's another story we can talk about Quan and Forbes and, yeah, and how that's that, right? really off to a great first impression yeah. in my opinion. But it also says something about the underneath quick decision-making of how, and I'll be watching that very closely when we get to camp. Is he putting the ball in safe places 
um, underneath, which I think is going to be the majority of the throws that he makes in this offense from what I can tell so far. And that's where I see danger zone. I mean, balls are popping up in the air. Balls are getting knocked down. These guys are getting their hands on it a lot. Again, we're playing on air. So that concerns me just a touch, but not enough to be really worried, worried. You just right. asked my opinion. That's what I saw. No, and I, I agree with that. And I think that's something that he's going to have to work on. And the other thing is, you know, it's funny because if he was carving up this defense now, while that would be great for Howell, I'd also be very concerned about this defense because you don't, I don't think you want to see that because they've invested a lot in this defense. And if you're getting carved up by him, that's a bad sign. It should be a something where like they're going to win some and he's going to win some. And that's, I think, what we've seen. Um, so look at me at the defensive side of the ball. Is, is anything jumped out at you there? Yes. Um, what they, and this is again, really early. So I want to see it in camp. Um, Forbes and, and Quan are around the ball a lot, yeah. a lot. Um, that's what they were drafted for. Uh, and there's a lot of balls getting popped up in the air. And I'm trying not to get of the things that I'm like excited about. Like I'm trying not to get too excited about what the defense could be. If that's, what's going to start happening. Um, they have had a very good defense that could be better this year up front. If Chase Young plays to some level of potential with health, because like, I love what James Smith Williams and Casey Tuhill and others did. They're not this caliber of player. So if he comes back hungry, motivated to get a contract, and plays to his capabilities and obviously is on a healthy knee, I'm going to assume that the D-line is better than it was, and it was really good a year ago. Um, and then the back end looks like it has a couple of guys that fit the profile of exactly what they needed, which is playmakers. Like, that they're not just going to be good, they can flip games. Forbes seems beyond confident. It's a really good sign. Nothing seems to bug him here. You ask him any question, he almost brushes it off like, I know I belong. I love it. You know, I love that. Again, it's early. Again, he's thin. You know, like, we'll see. And with Quan, there was one yesterday. Again, there's just little moments where, and a lot of people wrote and talked about this, where he, you know, popped the ball up in the air and Cody Barton ended up getting an interception. Well, that wasn't his guy that he popped the ball up in the air. He adjusted off of the man he was right. covering because he saw the play and popped it up in the air. This guy's been here a week. Like, you know, if this is what's going to start happening regularly with the back end of this defense, a very young, you know, group, but like young playmaking group, then I love the the possibility of them not just being a good defense, but being one that flips games and maybe takes some of the pressure off of Hal and this offense to have to get it all done on their side of the ball. Yeah, and, you know, Forbes, and I've talked about this too, I, I love his reaction time, and he is always on the ball, and he's going to, you know, listen, they're going to test him. I mean, they're of course they're going to test him, whether it's with the physicality or, the, you know, if, is he looking to make plays, and so do you bite, you get him to bite on something. That's all stuff he has to go through, but he shows that trait of always being there to do something to disrupt the play, and I think that's that's a good sign for him. What, you know, have, you know with, with – um, with Forbes, is there anything like else that stood out to you with it? With you know, you are you are you more are you concerned at all about the size? And I know we've talked a little bit about that, but are you concerned at all after watching them out there? Um, I mean, I I am only if he somehow 
gets targeted, you know, in run game plays where they, they got people coming at them. But like, I've already heard Jack Del Rio basically say they're not going to do that. So all of this, all of this stuff about like, who's going to be on the inside, who's going to be on the outside. He's not going to be put in the slot. Like, I mean, no, of course not. And that's not why they drafted him. They're going to put in, they drafted him to be a playmaker. So he's going to be put on the number one or two receiver on the outside generally I mean, I don't want to be inflexible and say that if someone's in motion, he doesn't follow. I would think that that's possibility here. But like that, that like it's already been telegraphed. Benjamin St. Juice is clearly must be moving back to the inside. Right. How would that not be happening? They basically said yesterday, Kendall Fuller is going to stay on the outside. Right. And I can't imagine that Forbes goes on the inside. Right. So I like this whole this is kind of much ado about nothing. I do think that there is nobody wants to hear this if this counts this way, position flex where they could move St. Juice in and out. Right. And then how Martin gets used is going to be very interesting to see what kind of hybrid role he has. Is he a corner? Is he a linebacker? Is he a safety? I don't know. And more and more and more, I, I don't, I don't know what this defense is going to look like. How many linebackers are actually going to be playing on any given play Two, maybe one, maybe one because curl fits that way or Martin is perceived this way or, I think we're going to have some very unusual defensive alignments that might be very light on the back end, which would concern me against good running teams, but could be almost amoeba-ish and hopefully be one that confuses offenses and has guys that's getting their hands on the ball. Well, I think it gives you flexibility as far as your coverages go. And, and we know that over the last few years, basically most teams are going to use two linebackers in their base defense because everybody runs a... You know, if you're playing a team that uses a lot of three receiver sets, that's what your throw drop, that's what you're going to do. So it's why the I think this enough. team could use one. Oh, and they've often, done that. They've got actually, and, yeah, no, yeah. I think, and they've done that a lot. And I think this, so here's the other thing with that, Brad. Get it, this is why getting Quan Martin is important for them because they were feeling like um, Cam Curl is getting worn down in that role. He got hurt a couple of times, yeah. and they want to make sure they protect him and, and, keep him durable. So one way to do that is to have somebody else who can fill that role. And now they do. So I think that gives them more flexibility to run some of those five D line sets with one linebacker. And that's where, you know, between Barton and Davis, you know, do you still think, would you still like to see them add someone else at that position just for depth? Yeah, I think so for depth. Sure. Yeah. And I mean, and they have some cap space now that Rulier is out and then Norwell will be eventually, you know, I don't know when that's going to happen, but eventually will happen. So they have some room. Um, so I do think that they're, you know, I think that that's a spot I would look at, obviously. Um, the other thing too, I think we talked about this last time because, you know, the second wave of free agency is going to hit pretty soon here, post June one and um, into camp. And there's going to be some surprises that are out there. The The two spots that I would look at right now outside a linebacker, which I think would really be a depth position type of thing for them. Um, could another tackle pop up? I would be very inclined to see if they can get somebody for a bridge year as either a swing tackle or someone to, you know, in, that, you know, I, I still feel like that's a, a position of need for them in terms of depth. You would rather and, have and, like someone like that than Cornelius. Yeah. I mean, I just, I'd like to see one more veteran, okay. you know, there, if available, I would like to see it just to bridge this team screams, pick a tackle in the first round next year. But like, but for now, you know, like we got to get through the year and, you know, I haven't seen Leno yet, but I was, I, I'm, a, he's a professional. I'm assuming he's going to be fine. 
Um, you know, Wiley at right tackle. I'll be very interested to see how that goes once camp opens. Lucas as a swing tackle, we know what he can do. And I, I hope he's not playing 17 games, but I like him in reserve for sure. I do believe that one more tackle would be great if they could get one more veteran in here. But the other one we talked about was uh, wide receiver depth. And I don't have any concerns about that anymore. Like, I think if someone, not DeAndre Hopkins, but if someone popped up that was, um, you know, like viable for them, I'd be okay but I don't think it's necessary anymore. Not from what I've seen so far. Why, I, why I, is I that? Like who, so who is who has kind of opened your eyes to to not meeting them? So um, Diami's speed is very interesting here. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much he's going to be used. Obviously, I mean the top three are the top three, and I don't. You know, if you start to project out where a target's going to go, if Diami's getting ten targets a game, something's off here so i like i don't really you know i don't really know how that's going to be utilized but as a number four and seeing his speed within the context of an offense like this and maybe catch someone over the top every once in a while i love him actually so i think he has the possibility with the relationship with hal um and with i think some opportunity within the context of this offense i feel like he's a very strong number four um, and then number five or six is going to be a punt returner this year. I'd like to see a lot more of this UCLA kid because I think that there's a possibility that they, you know, that they've got someone who could be, you know, someone who could, you know, at least get more field position than the last option did. And then with Milne, I mean, he had one yesterday where he's got great hands. He's a it's great really nice runner. He's got great cut. hands. I think he's more valuable as a, number five, six, seven wide receiver than he is as a punt returner. And I guess they'll have to determine whether that's enough to make the team or not this time, if he's not going to be the punt returner. Um, so, but, so I don't, I, I don't feel bad about the, the wide receiver depth anymore. I feel good about it off of this camp. Is there anything off of what you've seen again, two practices? And then the hard part is with the lines, it's hard to really measure where they're at because they're not in pads. So that may be one of the harder spots to measure, but is there anything that you say, okay, this is a little bit more concerning than I thought it might be, or or, or we just haven't seen enough to go there? I haven't seen enough of the offensive line. Um, I feel like on paper and just, you know, perceptually that they're better than they were a year ago and probably more reliable, you know, than what they were trying to go with last year with a lot of potentially injury-prone players, veterans, tread on the tires, however you wanted to describe it. So I do like that they're younger and probably more reliable outside of some bad luck, you know, that may come their way. That said, I still don't know that it's a strength and I don't believe that it is. So that's why I like, you know, if another like Charles Leno popped up in the summer again, where you can get your hands on someone who could potentially be a bridge to next year as a competitor or reliable backup, I would go for that, you know, to get through this year. And then at guard, um, you know, we have a competitive situation at left guard. So we'll have to see how it plays out. Um, Sadiq Charles has been here four years now. He didn't win the job last year. I know they're basically, you know, saying he's going to this year. Looks that way. At least he's the front runner. I'll believe it when I see it, you know, with him. Um, Chris Paul behind him is an interesting, you know, prospect. But we'll see. Um, I'm very excited about Gates. I think that's an upgrade. Um, I have no problem with the center that they selected being put basically in, you know, in the rotation and probably someone who, you know, short of injuries probably won't play very much this year, but could be ready in a year or two. I'm all right with that. I have no problem with it. I think they're good at the position again with Gates, assuming health. 
And then Cosme, um, you know, like I hope, I hope that he's going to be, and I think this is a better position for him. I hope that he's going to become a really good athletic right guard for them. But until I see it in training camp and preseason games, I think it's hard to know. So I still look at that as a unit that is not a strength for them, but it's better than it was. And I want to see how the scheme works out for right, this group too. I think they want to be fair here and go, they're, they're doing things differently now. Maybe the scheme works better for this group of players and that they'll, um, they'll perform better based on what they're asked to do. And, I, and that's where I, that's where I'm at with them too, is that I think the scheme will help them to what degree I think we'll find out. And some of that, I think how decision-making the quick throwing in rhythm will help them. I think the way they use play action will help them to, Quitting or some adding more three step drops will help them. The mo the way they use the motion, I think will help them. But to what degree we'll find out because you know you can't hide everything. Um, but I think it will be better. What about the enemy? What you know, you're been I've been around three times because we had a rookie mini camp too, but we out out there with them a couple of times. What's jumped out to you? I mean, you know, he's uh he's loud he's <laughs> for loud. sure. Yeah, uh, his presence is felt. Yeah. Um, you know, he doesn't care that we hear that he's demanding. Um, I think that's interesting. You know, sometimes the coaches are wary of that. He's not. Um, he not is demanding all. accountability. I have no problem with that yeah. early. I mean, they're installing a new scheme. And, you know, I I don't make much of like, oh, he pulled this guy aside or he pulled that guy aside. I mean, this is the time to do that. Like, yeah. you're supposed to get guys to understand what they're right. supposed to do. I don't think it's an indictment of anybody. Yeah. And um, listen, like, the offense scored 17 points a game last year. That's not good enough. And they don't have the excuse of not having the players to score more. So I think that everybody should be demanding better than that. Yes. And so I think yeah, I'm, I'm all for it. And, you know, I think, like, he comes in here with a tremendous amount of credibility off of the things that they did in Kansas City. And I do hope that, um, you know, I, it sounds like so far that everybody's taking to this, but it's going to be a lot of tough love. And, you know, one of the, you know, one of the storylines that will be interesting to see is because I heard Sam Howell say this, I don't mind being coached hard. I've heard, I know McLaurin's got no problem with it. Um, I don't think Dotson's going to have a problem with it. I don't think the line's going to have a problem with it, but I can't speak for everybody that this yeah. is going to be something that over and over and over, they're going to be fond of, especially if they don't get fed and don't get the ball and stuff like that. So that'll be an interesting storyline to watch. Like, are there a couple of players who don't take to this the way right. that everybody's taking to it? But that's, again, we'll get the training camp and games and who's getting the ball, and then that'll all play itself out. And I, I think there's some definitely, even when they hired him, that's one of the things I heard is like, how, even internally, like, some of these guys they feel like could use a little bit of a kick in the pants. Um, and so you can see how they respond to it. But like you said, when you haven't had success, this is what happens. And, you know, and I, I also think that it seems like the enemy has more control than most coaches who have come through here as assistants. Yeah, I do too. Um, so, you know, I'd like, again, this is, this is a big change. Um, I do like the attention to detail. Um, I do like his pedigree and I do like that, you know, that, you know, he seems to be seizing control of this opportunity. So I'm, I'm excited about all of that. You know, the only other one I meant to mention, like on the other side of the ball was Cody Barton, which I saw a little bit of yesterday. And I would just describe him as kind of swimming in the defense right now. Like, and that, but that's like, again, it's early and nothing to necessarily be concerned about. But when we talk about hard coaching, 
You don't see Jack Del Rio go in the field that often and pull people aside. He was doing that with a number of players yesterday. So I think they're changing things up too. Like I, I have a feeling that's why I'm like, I think you're going to see a very different version of the defense this year and probably for the better because they know what they got up front. The question is, what do they have behind it? And I think they're feeling eerily confident that they could put some guys in some positions to get the ball in their hands this time. So I think well, they're going to, yeah. I think they're going to switch things up. I think you're going to be surprised what you see on defense. That's my gut right now. And and I know like they like that zone match. And I think playing it for a second year gives them a lot of hope or belief or confidence. I should say that the second year of playing that style of coverage will, will help them make more plays and that it fits a guy like Kendall and it fits a guy like Ford. So last thing is one of the other things that Ron Rivera talked about in our press conference on Wednesday was the delegation. And he's always been a coach who's delegated. He hasn't been in charge of the offense or the defense or the special team since he's been here. And in Carolina, he didn't want to do that because he wanted to have people he could trust in those roles. And so you had a McDermott, you had a Steve Wilson. It was later in the tenure there. I think we had to step in, but it seems like, and he even said, this is the most he's ever delegated. What did you take from those comments? When he said it wasn't his favorite part was really, that was very interesting. And look, it, like, this is a weird year. Like, this is a really, really, really strange year. We have new owners coming in at some point. Um, I, you know, like they've already, Rivera's already kind of telegraphed that they're re-interviewing for their jobs. And they know this. I mean, he said it publicly, but just think about how they handled after the draft where they were messaging through the media, their process, almost as if like trying to explain to the new owners, this is how we do things right. here. Are you down with it? And then, you know, obviously how they perform on the field is going to matter. If they can develop Hal into a, a competent, good quarterback, if they end up having a winning record, making the playoffs, all those things are going to matter, matter. But, like, I can't help but think that underlying all of this are all sorts of things that are going on that have not become completely clear yet. And, you know, him delegating to this point, openly talking about how he may or may not love that, you know, was really, it's, I don't know, it seems like there's some truth telling here that doesn't totally tell a whole story yet. And I'm not suggesting I know what's coming down the pike, but it, you know, I just finished the session and I got a on. feeling that we've got some like political dynamics that are going on here right now Perhaps. that are not totally clear. And we'll, we'll, we'll I, I'm waiting to see how it plays out for me. And I know you feel the same way. We have a football season coming up here. I don't care about 2024 yet at all. And I want to see how this year goes. And I want to give them the best chance possible to go out and win. And I'm not worried about the feel like we've spent too many years here thinking about what's coming next before the thing in front of us happened. So I want to have the thing in front of us happen. That said, I'm not blind to the fact that there's a lot going on here that maybe we don't really know and haven't totally played out yet. Right. And I think some of it too, for him, some of that delegation, by the way, I finished succession um, last night as well. But some of the some of the delegation for him is also, you know, it's giving he's having to deal with a lot of other things that are just like it's not football related necessarily. And I think those things can, can wear or die out when you want to be dealing with football things. He, he wants to be sitting in on various meetings to see what's going on in those meetings. And 
you know, I think if we can get to that, I think you'll be pleased with it. So there you go, Bram. Appreciate your time and always appreciate the insight. And we'll talk to you soon. All right. See ya. Thank you. That's it for this episode. Thanks to Bram for joining me. And thank you, as always, for tuning in. Again, I'll be back with another podcast either really late Sunday night or Monday morning, kind of going over a lot of stuff that we learned from assistant coaches and some roundtable interviews on Thursday. Talk to you next time.